All right, as we continue with our service, I'm going to call Charity Promsma, or Charity Promsma, I'm sorry. Wow. I knew her way, way back, so (laughs) can you come up and read for us? This is from Acts. Oh, I've got to take my glasses off. Sorry. Acts 5, 12 through 24. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of them, the rest, dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were healed. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord appeared, opened the prison doors, and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people of the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison, so they returned and reported, We have found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. Thank you, Charity. Well, I'm glad you joined us on this Resurrection Sunday. It's a blessing to gather together to celebrate the victory that Jesus, our Savior, has given to us. Uh, this is the most joyous day of the year. It really is. And it was, it was a year ago that we celebrated Resurrection Sunday virtually. It almost seems like a decade ago, right? At least to me it does. Uh, for me, staying cooped up at home on Easter Sunday didn't feel right. It wasn't right. You know, Jesus had risen from the tomb, victorious over death, and here we were all entombed in our homes, still afraid of it. So I'm grateful for today, for many reasons, but one is that uh, though it's felt like a decade since I've come to be your pastor, uh, uh, this is my first Easter Sunday in person with you. So I really, really enjoy this day. Yeah. So it's a special, special moment for me. I consider this a privilege to be here with you. But it's also a special moment for all of us because God has been incredibly faithful and gracious to us over this past year. Many of us were sitting inside proverbial prison bars of sin and fear and depression and sickness and hopelessness, and yet the truth of the gospel of Jesus broke us free. And many of us experienced metaphorical prison breaks in our lives, and now we are living the abundant life that Jesus had promised to us. And and that's why it's important for us to gather on this Sunday, on Resurrection Sunday, and every Sunday. We need to be reminded that there is a great and awesome God who controls the universe and everything in it. And the same God gives us resurrection life through belief in Jesus' name. And so we come together to join our voices in praising our God who is greater and infinitely more power than all of us. Bowing our hearts to worship our God, 
who is only worthy one among us, and pausing to remember Jesus, who is more loving and forgiving than any of us. And we also come together this morning to unite our minds upon the truth of God's word, which has the power to convict and to cleanse and to change us. So let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this joyous day. The day we come together to praise you for raising Jesus from the dead. Your power is incomprehensible. Your love is uncontainable. You loved us so much that you sent your son to die for us. We're so unworthy. So we are eternally grateful for your grace. For we know that if you hadn't looked down upon us with compassion and mercy, we would be hopelessly lost. But we aren't lost because you found us. We are no longer hopeless because you saved us. In fact, we're no longer sinful because you washed us clean by the blood of Jesus. And then you sealed the deal by raising him from the dead. And Father, we live in a crazy world right now, a world that seems to be unraveling around us. Right is wrong, wrong is right, madness and foolishness seem to be gripping our society. The lack of truth and the moral relativism is causing confusion and uncertainty and a lack of trust to permeate every aspect of society. And many people are asking, who do we trust? Where do we go for truth? And we come today echoing Peter's words to Jesus, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And that is why we are here this morning. You, Father, and your son Jesus have the words of eternal life, resurrection life. And we come this morning to hear from your holy word, which is full of resurrection power and timeless truth. Your word is powerful. It changes lives. And so we are here to be reminded that you are the sovereign Lord of the universe, the creator of all things, the sustainer of life. And because you raised Jesus from the grave, we, have confidently, we can confidently celebrate Jesus' victory over death. And because he is victorious over death, he gives life and immortality to all who believe in his name. Jesus is the hope of the world. And it almost sounds too good to be true, but it is true. Because Jesus lives, we can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. And because he lives, we have a privilege of being your sons and daughters for all eternity. Thank you, Father. When we get down in the dumps, when we get discouraged or disheartened or distracted, may your Holy Spirit remind us of the truth of the resurrection of Jesus and what it means for us each and every moment of every day. May you receive all the praise and honor and glory in this church and in all the churches who are gathered together this morning to worship you. Encourage us, convict us, restore us, heal us embolden us, renew us, humble us, and shape us as we turn to your word this morning. And it's in the name of our powerful, loving, gracious, and living Savior, Jesus, our Lord, that we pray. Amen. I'm convinced that resurrection of Jesus is the single most important event in all of history. And without, for without it, Jesus would still be dead. And we would still be in our sins. I'm going to be honest with you, Resurrection Sunday's sermon is a difficult one to prepare. You'd think it'd be the easiest one, but it's actually one of the hardest. It's a big story. It's a cataclysmic event. And how do you speak in such a way to give justice to the enormity of the resurrection of Jesus, who was God come in flesh to rescue us from sin and Satan and death? And how does that earth-shattering event resonate with us in light of the year that we've been in and yet we must look at this resurrection story, the one that everyone has heard year after year after year because it is our hope. It is our hope. So 
then why did we read a passage from Acts that has nothing to do with Jesus' resurrection, you might be asking, right? Yeah. Well, here's the reason. While we continue our study through the book of Acts as a church family, God in his providence led us to this story of a miraculous, God-initiated prison break. And it's very similar to Jesus' miraculous, God-initiated prison break from death in the tomb. All right, so here we go. Here's the theme of today's message. The resurrection of Jesus opened the way for us to break free from sin and have victory over death. So our first point today is freedom. Freedom. We're going to turn back to Acts chapter 5 and verse 12. Acts chapter 5 verse 12. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done by the people or among the people by the hands of the apostles and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared to join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And get this, and more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. So now Luke's description here of what's going on in Jerusalem, this is the early church, Jesus had ascended, and and this is the early church here, and and what's going on actually kind of sounds similar to what was happening when Jesus was on earth. And listen to what Luke wrote about Jesus in Luke chapter 6. He said this, They came to hear Jesus and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out of him and healed them all. So wherever Jesus went, there was a stir. He was no ordinary man. We all know this. We've heard the stories. We've read the gospel accounts. He healed. He cast out spirits. He forgave sins. He changed lives. It really happened. He really did do all of that. And now we see that in Acts, those who believed in Jesus, those who sided with him, were now indwelt by God's Holy Spirit, And just as wherever Jesus went, there was a stir and things happened. So it was with his followers. Wherever they went, there was a stir. God's spirit was indwelling them and good things happened through them. People were healed. Spirits were cast out. Lives were changed. Sins were forgiven. Peace was experienced. Unity was enjoyed. Love was evident. When they placed their faith in Jesus, his Holy Spirit came to indwell them. And through faith, his spirit brought healing and wholeness to individuals. And as this healing and wholeness was experienced by individuals, it affected the community around them. And the community began to experience healing and wholeness. They were experiencing the abundant life that God had created for humans to enjoy. They were experiencing the blessings of resurrection life. And why? Because they had sided with Jesus, the resurrected Lord. And because they had sided with him, Jesus had broken them free from the shackles of sin and fear of death. And they had, they had joy because they were on the winning team. Don't you think everyone would want to believe in Jesus and get on this incredible thing that he was doing? Unfortunately, not everyone wanted to. And that takes us to our second point, bondage, verse 17 and 18. But the high priest rose up and all who were with him that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. So these religious elites, the priests and the Sadducees, they refused to believe in Jesus. And instead of joy and peace and love, they were filled with 
fear, and jealousy. And what were they jealous of? Well, they were jealous that the apostles were winning and they were losing. The, the uneducated, unsophisticated apostles were teaching the crowds what the religious leaders should have been teaching. The inexperienced apostles were doing the miraculous works that the religious leaders wanted to be doing. But instead of being excited that God was using the apostles for good, they harbored prideful, jealous attitudes that would rather have had the limelight. And a few weeks earlier, these same people, in their jealousy and hate, had rejected Jesus and had crucified him. And now they were rejecting his followers, the apostles. So they arrested them and put them into prison. And here's their accusation from Acts chapter 5, verse 28. Their accusation against them was, you have filled Jerusalem with the message of Jesus and you intend to bring his blood upon us. You are accusing us of killing him. Was any of this untrue? Absolutely not. They were the ones that had killed him. And you know, Jesus was accused of the same type of thing. In Luke chapter 21, this is what they said about Jesus. Then the whole company of them arose and brought him before, brought Jesus before Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading the nation and saying that he himself is the Christ, a king. He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee even to this place. And they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified. The losing team was so blinded by their jealousy that they did not recognize that God was at work right in front of them. They were so hateful that they did not care about all the lives that had been healed and touched and changed and, and saw good. And they were so prideful that they did not hear the message of God's salvation that Jesus and the apostles were preaching. They were in bondage to and blinded, blinded by self and sin and Satan. Don't be like the religious leaders, jealousy and pridefully ignoring all the signs of God working in the lives of those around you. Don't be like them, refusing to believe that Jesus is the resurrected Messiah. And now the apostles were thrown into prison, but the religious leaders were really the ones that were in bondage to sin. They wanted the limelight to lead the people, to receive praise. So what do people in bondage try to do, they try to get others into bondage with them, right? Misery loves company, and so they threw the competition in prison. Let's silence them. Not an appropriate response for what the apostles were doing. They were simply preaching. It's amazing that down through history, nothing seems to change. Those who reject Jesus continue to try to suppress and censor the message of Jesus, the truth of the gospel, the wonderful gospel, and yet you can't stop you can't kill the truth. The truth always breaks free, and it comes out. Just like the apostles came out of prison, and just like Jesus came out of the grave. The wicked leaders tried to kill Jesus and his followers, snuff them out, censor them out, redact them and their teachings from the history books. Sound familiar? But God, he used the corrupt leader's jealous efforts to stop the message of Jesus as fuel to spread the gospel of truth. The legacy of the apostles lives on today, some 2,000 years later. So God took the opportunity, the danger, the evil, the, the murder, and by his grace, he turned it into life and love and peace and resurrection. He turned death into life. 
And this is the power of resurrection life. God always wins. Which takes us to our third point, victory. If you took a look in verse 19. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. God was not going to allow his message of salvation to be stopped by a bunch of jealous, fearful, power-hungry, spiritually ineffective religious leaders. So he raised Jesus from the dead, and he broke the apostles out of prison, and he sent them on mission. Today, God will not allow his message of salvation to be stopped by a bunch of jealous, fearful, power-hungry, spiritually ineffective political leaders in our time either. God's message will go forth. God always wins. Now imagine, though, being these guys, sitting there in that prison. Cold, stone-hard floor, metal bars, dark as can be, shackles and chains, dirty water dripping in the corner, a glimmer of moonlight through the window, a rat scurries across your feet, right? And then all of a sudden, there's a loud clank, and the locks release. The doors swing open of their own accord. The shackles fall off and you see the silhouette of a man standing in the dark and he's slightly glowing. And you stand up, you look at him and then you look at Peter and you look at John, right? And you're like, should we go? And the angel says, yes. Go and stand in the temple, which is, by the way, where you had just been arrested the day before, and speak to the people all the words of this life. And then the angel vanishes. And you walk out the door of the cell, and the guard is still standing there. You wave your hand in front of his face. He doesn't seem to see you, right? Is he blind? Is he asleep? What's going on? All right, so you are like, okay, let's keep going. And you walk down the hallway, right out the door, and you go right to the temple. You see the sun coming up over the horizon, and you head to the temple as the people begin to come into the courtyard during the damp and cool of the early morning. And you and the other apostles begin to preach to those who come, and the crowd begins to come. Here's the thing about God. There are no prison bars, no government authority, no spiritual power, no social chaos, no censored propaganda that can hinder the abundant life of freedom and joy that God gives to those who place their faith in Jesus. God always wins. He empowers his people to proclaim his message, and there is nothing that will stop his message of salvation from going forth. In fact, death itself is no obstacle to God. These same religious leaders had tried to do the same thing to Jesus a few weeks ago, a few weeks early, but Jesus had a prison break all of his own. Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, verse 1. Listen as I read. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why are you seeking the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise? And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. The friends come to the tomb in the early morning. 
They were imagining the body of Jesus lying there in the prison of the tomb. Cold, stone-hard floor. Heavy, round, stone door. Dark as can be, they were prepared for the smell of death. But when they arrive, the large, round, stone door is rolled away. They run inside, and the morning light streams into the tomb. Jesus isn't there. They turn, and they saw two silhouettes of men standing in the sunlight, and they are glowing. And you stoop, stop, you stop dead in your tracks, and these two men tell you to stop looking for the living among the dead. What? I was looking for the dead among the dead, right? Are you telling me that he's alive? Yes, he's alive. He's not here. He has risen. Do you remember he told you about this while he was still in Galilee, that he would be killed and then he would rise on the third day? This is it. Go tell everyone about it. Because this changes everything. The grave couldn't hold him. The stone couldn't stop him. Death couldn't defeat him. Locked doors, prison bars, death, stones, crucifixion, rejection, arrest, they're nothing for Jesus. Now back to Acts. Notice that the apostles were not simply set free to go on their merry way. No, they were saved from prison for a purpose. The angel gave them a directive, the same directive that Jesus had given them before. The same command which landed them actually in prison. The angel was telling them to not stop what they were commanded to do, even though it resulted in opposition and imprisonment. They were to obey the same command that the angels gave the disciples at the tomb. And we too are saved, set free for a purpose. And what is that purpose? Remember what the angel said back in in, to the apostles in Acts chapter 5, he said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Now this life. What life? The life of being opposed and harassed and arrested and beaten and thrown into prison? That is what happened to Jesus and Peter and the rest of the apostles. Why would we ever want to go and speak to all the people about this life? In a sense, that's a losing that's like being on the losing team. Why would we want others to be opposed? Why would we want others to be thrown into prison? Why? What life are we talking about? It's the resurrection life. Jesus' life is resurrection life. Truly victorious life. Listen to the story of one of Jesus' appearances after his resurrection. In John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, Get this, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Notice, locked doors. Where do we go when we get scared or fearful or out of our comfort zones? Where did we go before, last year? We go home and hide behind locked doors. But not Jesus. He, was, he fearlessly went back to the very city where he had been killed. He was unafraid because he was victorious. Jesus brought peace in the midst of lockdown and prison. Jesus brought purpose in the midst of uncertainty and chaos. And Jesus brought power in the midst of weakness and sin. 
Jesus brings true life, victorious life, resurrection life. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Real life, abundant life, free and unencumbered life, vigorous life, fullness of life. This is the gift that Jesus came to give us. Resurrection for all, resurrection life for all who will repent and believe. Those who have this life don't worry about death because they know that the prison of death cannot hold them. They are no longer afraid. And Jesus sprung the prison doors once before and he promises to do it again for all those who believe. It looked like Jesus was defeated. It looked like the apostles were put in prison and defeated. But God. Jesus brought victory out of defeat. He defeated death, trampling it under his feet, walking right out of the grave. Who does that? We hear the story year after year after year and it kind of loses its punch, right? Think of it. Jesus' heart began to beat of its own accord in the tomb. His lungs filled with air again. He opened his eyes. He stood up. And Jesus walked out of the grave. He put death to death. And he still lives today. His heart has not stopped beating. He hasn't stopped breathing. Resurrection life is a life of victory. Resurrection life is a life of abundance and confidence that Jesus will raise us up from the dead just as he rose up from the dead. Resurrection is a life is a life of purpose, just like the apostles going right back into the danger to share the hope of this resurrection life with everyone that they met. And that takes us to our final point, decision. Back in Acts chapter 5, starting in the second half of verse 21. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council and all the senate of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison, so they returned and reported, we, have, we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. I love that line. Wondering what this would come to. That's a, that's a line of defeat. It's a statement of inability to do anything about what just happened. Remember the story from John's Gospel I just read of the resurrected Jesus uh, appearing to his disciples in the locked room? Listen to what comes next. John chapter 20 says this. Now Thomas, he was one of the disciples, he wasn't there at that first time. Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the hands, uh, see in his hands the marks of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hand and put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. 
So Jesus does it again. The doors were locked. Locks and stones and tombs and prisons cannot contain Jesus. His resurrection life is able to break us free from any bondage, bondage to sin or Satan or addictions or attitudes, behaviors. But how? The answer lies in what Jesus told Thomas. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Do not disbelieve. Back in Acts, those leaders, ready? They said, they were wondering what would come of this. The religious leaders were wondering how this would all end. For the life of me, I can't figure out how they couldn't put two and two together, right? By the resurrection power of Jesus, God was doing incredible things through the apostles. People were healed. The poor were provided for. Demons were exercised. Thousands of people were now worshiping God who hadn't been worshiping before. And the men that they just put in prison were miraculously back in public preaching. What part of this picture did they not get? For them, they could not understand how belief in a man named Jesus who rose from the dead led to all this power and peace and purpose. It was not logical, but it was rational. The signs all pointed to something out of the ordinary, something bigger than them, something incredibly powerful was at work. Wouldn't you want to be on the right side of that incredible power? I know I would. I wouldn't want to be on the wrong side of that power. But some humans don't want to admit that there is a power bigger than themselves. And that they need that power. That they are in need of salvation. Some people let pride, control, and jealousy keep them from unbelief. They refuse to believe. They chose not to believe. They could not get themselves to admit that what was happening was real. They flat out refused to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And they were the ones who had killed him. So here's the deal. The rulers just wanted this message of Jesus to go away. They didn't want to deal with the guilt, and so they tried to stop it. But all their attempts backfired because you can't stop God, right? To to now to top it off, the apostles had this exciting prison break story to tell everyone, making the leaders look like buffoons and giving more credence to the power of this Jesus that they were trying to stop. Jesus was winning, and the religious leaders were losing. Jesus was winning, and they didn't like it, and they refused to believe the truth. All of life comes down to faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Faith in the truth. Thomas, at first, chose not to believe. Remember, he said, I will never believe unless I touch him. He wouldn't believe until he saw Jesus himself. Don't let this be you. And Jesus told Thomas, and he tells us, do not disbelieve, but believe. Do you want to be on the winning side? Who doesn't? I mean, we always want to be on the winning team. It was awesome being on the winning team in, in soccer in high school, right? Or when it comes to warfare, I, I, for one, want to be on the winning team when two armies go to battle, right? So in the war between God and Satan, death and life, darkness and light, why wouldn't you want to be assured of victory? Do you want resurrection life? Do you want to see the power of Jesus release you from the bondage of sin and death? 
free you from the chains of addictions, roll away the stone of fear for you, open the door to a new way of life, an abundant, joyful, peace-filled life for you, be assured that you will be with Jesus in heaven when you die, then believe. Do not look from the outside with jealousy and pride in your heart. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Join Thomas in saying, my Lord and my God. Believe in the name of Jesus. So today I've declared to you the words of this life, resurrection life. If you want it, Jesus in grace and love offers this life to you free of charge. You must simply believe that his death, burial, and resurrection has the power to break you free from death and give you victory over sin. Believe that it's true and you will be saved. It's that simple. You will receive resurrection life. Don't be like the religious leaders. Don't make this a matter of logic. It's a matter of faith. Make the rational choice and believe in Jesus. Choose the winning team. Choose the one who put death in its grave, who, cho- who rose victorious over death. Get on his side. And if you have placed your faith and your trust in Jesus, then don't keep this resurrection life to yourself. Remember, the resurrection of Jesus opens the way for us to break free from sin and have victory over death. There are so many people out there who need the tru- to hear the truth of this. They are dying, heading to a hopeless eternity. They need to believe this message. This is true news. The most important news in the world. The resurrection happened and everyone needs to believe it. And like the apostles, you have been set free. So courageously go into your workplaces and your schools and your neighborhoods and into your family gatherings and speak to the people all the words of this abundant life. Let's pray. Father, if there are people in this room who need to place their faith in the finished work of Jesus, then I ask that you don't give them rest until they do so. You won. You continue to win. No one can defeat you. You raised Jesus from the dead and you have made him Lord over all. Why would anyone not want to be part of your winning team? And for those of us who have believed, who are already on your side, give us boldness like the apostles to go back into the dangerous world and to preach the power of the resurrection life to all those who need to hear it. Now is the time, Lord. People are searching for truth. They're hunting for hope. They're hungry for meaning and for purpose. So embolden us to go and proclaim all the words of this life. We pray this in the name of our resurrected King, Jesus. Amen. Please stick around for coffee and for uh, fellowship. We'd love to have you just stick around and enjoy the fellowship with one another. Now receive this benediction. Jesus has risen, and because of this, sin and death no longer have dominion over us. Go from here in the freedom and joy and victory that comes as a result of the resurrection power of Jesus and speak all the words of this life. Thank you for joining us this morning. You have a wonderful Easter.